everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Filipino American Woman Project, also known as TIFA Project for short. I am your co-host, Jen Amos. And as always, I have my amazing co-host with me, Nani Dominguez. Nani, welcome back. Hey, everyone. Yes. And we're excited because every time we get to do another show, it means that we get to interview another incredible person in our community. But before we get to that, I have announcements as I always do. For starters, if this show resonates with you in any way, we encourage you to reach out to us. We do have a phone number. You can call or text us. Actually, you can leave us a voice message. We may not pick up because, you know, healthy boundaries. We can leave a voice message or send us a text message. Our phone number is 415-484-8329 or the letters TFAW as in the Filipino American Woman Project. Again, that phone number is 415-484-8329. And we'd love to hear from you. We've had a couple people text us already, right, Nani? Yeah. And we've also, I just wanted to let you guys know that I have seen a couple of missed calls come through on our number. And I'm sorry that I don't answer the phone, but it doesn't like ring. So it's better if you just leave us a voicemail or a text message and I will respond as soon as I get it. Yeah, perfect. Yeah, we, you know, we don't have office hours for. <laughs> for <laughs> yeah, I show. see your guys' calls come in at like twelve seventeen a.m., nine twenty three p.m., and sometimes I'm just, you know, doing other things at those times. So just leave us a message, and I will get back to you asap. Promise. Yeah, perfect. Thank you for saying that, Nani, because I, I didn't realize we were getting missed calls. I, I would yeah. think that I feel like I've articulated it enough that we will listen to your voice messages and respond to your text messages. But no, we will not pick up right away because we have we do have <laughs> lives. We like to set healthy boundaries. And yeah. So anyway, thank you, Nani, for clarifying that, that I'm yes. sure that'll be very helpful for our listeners and they won't feel like we are neglecting them. <laughs> yes. Awesome. Also, speaking of healthy boundaries, Nani and I are spending more of our time on our newsletter because you know, social media can be overwhelming. And as much as it can lift us up, it could also take us down. And so if you want to be engaged with us, if you want to contribute to our community, we encourage you to check out the show notes of this episode or visit tifaproject.com and subscribe to our newsletter. All right, moving on. So this show wouldn't be possible if it wasn't for our sponsors. I want to talk about one of them, the t-shirt that I feel like I wear this all the time. Like people are going to think like, Jen, do you ever like take off this t-shirt? But if you're watching the video, <laughs> <laughs> this is actually from one of our sponsors, Captivate. If you are looking to start a podcast and you don't want to go through the hassle of getting a website done and you know that you need a social media friendly, you know, what would you call it? Like a people friendly, user friendly uh, website. Friendly. Yeah, thank you. User friendly website where you can get all the links and know which podcast platforms you can listen from and get the show notes of this episode. Captivate has been really good to us so far since we've transferred on it. And so if you are looking for a place to either transfer your podcast show or start a podcast show, I highly recommend Captivate. Also, if you do use WordPress, Captivate provides an easy plugin for you to incorporate your podcast onto that website. So a little tip there, if you already have a website that you are committed to and don't want to use the Captivate website itself. If you actually look at our website, tfaproject.com, you'll get an idea, a template of what the website would look like if you were to be on our platform. So that's a little bit about our sponsor. The next thing I want to share is actually a free resource. Since today, we're going to get into the topic of mental health. I mentioned this in the last episode, and I'll mention this again. If you are new to mental health or seeking out mental health resources, I recommend looking into Seven Cups. I have personally been using it for almost a year now, and it's a free resource for anyone that just wants to chat with a stranger. So on Seven Cups, they have uh, volunteer listeners who are trained to listen to you <laughs> and to validate you and encourage you. And 
I have, Sonani, this is like no joke. I have like four listeners on there right now that are listening to me about like my professional goals, my relationship issues, my emotional well-being, you know, and it's just really cool to you know, of course my family and friends are there. I absolutely love them, but I also don't want to always burden them, you know, with what I'm going through. And so it's great to just have a stranger, you know, to just open up in that way, especially a trained one, you know, to be able to listen to you. And so it's an absolutely free resource. I don't get paid to say this. And so if you're looking for that, if you need that, if you're looking for a place to get started with your mental health, check out Seven Cups. It is provided in the show notes of this episode or on our website, tforproject.com. Anything you want to add so far, Nani? But yeah, just that, you know, if you are in a place right now where you're struggling or you feel lost, I think that this is a really great resource. I know that for me, at least personally, when I'm going through something, it's I'm not always quick to reach out to, you know, the people that are closest to me because I can kind of already guess what their response is going to be right. or what they're going to say. <laughs> and so right. if I anticipate that they're going to say something I don't want to hear or that I don't think is going to be helpful in that moment, I think this is like such an amazing way that you can find somebody to listen to you that is completely unbiased, that knows nothing about your situation or the people that you might want to vent about, you know, if you're scared that your loved ones might form opinions about like your significant other or things like that. I think that Seven Cups is a really great resource to just get some unbiased opinions and again, feel validated and and heard. Awesome. Thank you, Nani, for adding that. Yes. And the last thing we want to add is if you love our show, in addition to text messaging us or engaging with us on social media, consider leaving a five-star written review. We would love to hear specifically, you know, why you love our show. It's great feedback and validation for Nani and I, and it really gives us that conviction and a sense of responsibility to keep doing what we're doing. So you can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, or you can check out our website at tifaproject.com. We have a link to Podchaser, which is sort of like the Yelp for podcast shows. All right, that's it. I'm done with all my announcements. I'm, we're going to get into the interview now, Nani. <laughs> Yay, my turn. <laughs> yeah. So Nani is going to take the reins here and introduce our guest. So Nani, take it away. All right. So today, everyone, get excited. We <laughs> have a fellow Baydestrian, which for those of you who are not from the Bay and have never heard that term before, it just means a Bay Area native, born and raised, whoop, whoop, Christ follower, married for 14 years mother of three boys, co-host of the Filipino MomCast, and creator of the new online platform, The Bold CEO. Also, she's navigating life with anxiety and depression. Lynn Tugongi, welcome to the show. Thank you guys so much for having me. It's such an honor to be on the show with you ladies, and I just have good vibes of what's to come, so I'm excited. Yeah, no, we're so happy to have you. And we were talking about this offline, but when we heard about the Filipino MomCast, I just knew that we had to get you on because we already had Rowan on here and we had Marianne on here. And so it's just great. I was like, I was like, we need to figure out a way to promote the Filipino MomCast, but we already brought on Rowan and Marianne, but oh, Lynn hasn't been on, so we're going to bring Lynn on. (laughs) And so, so thank you for, you know, taking on our offer, our invitation. And I'm so glad that Marianne, And we're saying this offline as well, quote unquote, kindly encouraged you to be on the show. So shout out to you, Marianne. Just, I don't know if you want to share some thoughts to Marianne Lynn. (laughs) Yeah, well, you know, she's always been like, she's a person who's really special person in my life. And so 
I mean, she really didn't give me <laughs> any alternative into, you know, doing the show. Not that there's anything wrong with that. And so <laughs> I just appreciate the opportunity to be here. And I also appreciate her pushing me in a way that I never see in myself. Mm. And so, I mean, all of that's all good. So I love yeah. that. I think it's beautiful when you have friends in your life that see things in you that you don't see in yourself and that you can trust them to a level where it's like, I may not believe you, but I trust you. Like I will, yeah. I will do that. And I will be that person because you believe in me. Yeah. That is all the time, <laughs> all the time, <laughs> every single, every single thing. I mean, she's just so great at encouraging and at, you know, listening and she's very unbiased. Mm. So she really knows how to, you know, meet you in that moment. And I think because I know what that feels like, I am now able to offer that to others, you know, because you can't offer what you don't know exists. Yeah. You know, which I feel is just like the story of my whole life. Yeah. (laughs) Awesome. Beautiful. Well, why don't we jump into, I know that we had reached out to you. So obviously that's probably how you heard about the Filipino American Woman Project, but why don't you share why you chose to join us today? Why did you choose to accept the invitation other than getting kindly, highly encouraged by Marianne (laughs) to join us? (laughs) Well, honestly, I think I love everything that you guys are doing with the platform. I love that you are bringing representation and really bridging the gap around the identity crisis. If, mm. you know, if, if that's a way to even say it, like even in my own personal journey, learning to not really like be okay to be Filipino, but to identify with mm. being Filipino because that looks different on all of us. And so I love the platform and that it's allowing others to see themselves. And because there's so many voices on your show and so many people you guys are bringing on, it gives so many people an opportunity to find someone that they can really resonate with and that they can connect to and, you know, get pushed in that direction of, you know, like just, it opens up opportunities Mm -hmm. for sure. So that's what I love about your guys' show. And because it's so down to earth (laughs) and like the vibe is just like, okay, we're just, we're just, we're just hanging out at the table. It really is. It's comfy. I love it. Oh, thank you for saying that. Yeah. I think that how you just described how you see our show goes also hand in hand with what you were saying about Marianne and kind of the common theme that I find in our little like Philam community, at least on Instagram, where we all seem to congregate and it's really about meeting people where they're at, kind of mm-hmm. like you said. And for so many of us, we haven't seen ourselves represented anywhere. And so, you know, to find a podcast like ours or a podcast like yours and to be able to see yourself in someone that's being highlighted on these shows is really a form of meeting people where they're at and, you know, introducing them to maybe a healthier way of thinking or believing in themselves. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. For sure. Speaking of which, I just want to give a quick shout out to Amanda. Her Instagram handle is Live Lux, like L-U-X-E 21. So she 
recently, I just, I woke up this morning and I noticed that a bunch of my IG posts were like liked. <laughs> it was like 10 of them were like liked in a row. And she ended up commenting and, and to me and just sharing how grateful she is for this platform. She's in Chicago. So shout out to you, Amanda in Chicago. And she said like, wow, like this has really inspired me. Like we don't have anything like this in Chicago. And I'm thinking of creating something for myself, you know, to fill in that void. And so we were chatting through our DMs and I actually shared a number of our interviews that we've done of people in Chicago. And she is extremely grateful for that. So, you know, to go back to what you're saying, Lynn, I just really, again, appreciate your feedback because, you know, at the end of the day, at least for me, my goal is I don't want to feel lonely. I don't want to convince myself that I'm the only, you know, weird person out there. And, you know, having a platform like this is so validating. And initially, you know, I started this out of selfish reasons, but now it's like, oh my gosh, like there's so many other people that need this. They need to feel seen. They, they need to feel heard. They need to see themselves in someone else's story. And at this point, we have nearly, I think, 70 plus episodes at this point of just so many different Philam women from all walks of life just sharing their stories. So thank you for your feedback and, you know, being on our show today and yeah, hanging out with us. Really appreciate it. <laughs> yeah. I love it. I mean, I'm sure we can go an hour on just that, <laughs> it's, but I love it. Yeah. It's great. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Let's go on an hour for that. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> <Come on. laughs> well, yeah, the show must go on. So Lynn, why don't you share a little bit about your family background and why you identify as Filipino American woman. I do like to share that we're constantly expanding the definition of what it means to be a Philab woman. And so for now, we share that Filipino American women are individuals who live or have lived in America that are of Filipino descent and identify as female or pronouns she, her. And we have also invited the non-binary narrative to be on our show. Honestly, I want to have more non-binary <laughs> <laughs> um, narratives on our show, but that's a conversation for another time. So Lynn, why don't you share a little bit about your family background and why you identify as a Filipino American woman? All right. I'm going to open that up with this because for a long time in my life, I always knew I was like, I knew I was Filipino, but I never really connected as Filipino. And so kind of going with that moving forward, I'm hoping I can help you sit in a place of maybe where I sat mm -hmm. as I was growing up. So I'm a daughter of immigrant Filipino parents, and I have two older sisters, and all four of them immigrated to the States in like the late 60s. And so I'm a kid of the 80s. So by that time, my mm. sisters were so much older. And a few years after I was born, my parents ended up divorcing. And so at that time, they would have been, I don't know, something like 20, 20 something years. And wow. so each of my parents ended up remarrying. My sisters were now old enough to, you know, be out of the house and families on their own. And so I lived a lot with my mom. My dad and my stepmom ended up moving like out of the area. And so I never really saw my dad or really communicated with him a whole lot. And the blessing in that I really feel is that even though he wasn't physically in my life growing up, I never harbored any ill feelings about mm. that, which is almost a little bit weird to say, because I remember being little 
and, you know, you're hearing of these stories of, you know, girls who don't have their dads with them and just the anger and the animosity. And I don't know, maybe that was like protection at an early age, but mm-hmm. I was just like, I, that's just not going to be me, you know? And so anyways, my mom ended up remarrying and she remarried Caucasian. So I was then now part of an interracial, you know, family. Mm -hmm. And so I don't remember a whole lot of that time, to be honest, because by the time I was in fourth grade, my stepdad had gotten really sick and actually ended up passing away in fourth grade on Christmas Day. Wow. And so, you know, so much within a short amount of time, I was, you know, 10 at the time, so much has happened. There's just been, you know, structure, you know, all of that stuff. And so like this sense of identity has always felt kind of lost for me. Like, I mean, even growing up in the Bay Area, you know, I mean, it is very, very racially diverse, Mm -hmm. you know. A lo- like there, let alone in the Bay Area. And so not only did I feel like I have these differences of just my family structure, you know, going from like a divorced family to an interracial family to now like a widowed single parent family. Yeah. By 10 uh, years old, by 10, <laughs> by, <laughs> by 10 years old. And I'm like, yeah. I mean, and yeah. I'm not, I don't know what to think about all that or how it's affecting me, you know, like right. that's not where right. I'm like, Hey, like what's going on, you know? And so already I was seeing myself as different Mm. from others. And then to now kind of like put the ethnic part of it into that puzzle. It's like I was assimilated into Western culture, you Mm -hmm. know, and so I had very, very minimal influence, like cultural influence in like my home. And my mom was very, you know, just very, very Westernized you know, especially with my stepdad being um, Caucasian. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he was diabetic as well. So like, we weren't cooking Filipino food. <laughs> that was not <laughs> something that would like, I grew up with, I didn't grow up with traditional Filipino food. I have never been to the Philippines, I didn't understand the language. So then I couldn't speak it, you know, like a lot of my connection to Billy being Filipino was just, I look like I'm Filipino, but that is all I have to offer. Right. And so that cultural identity, like just the disconnection there really added to, you know, this growing list of things about why I felt so different from everybody else, you know? Mm -hmm. And so, okay, family structure, you know, like my, my sisters are old enough. So like I have siblings but I don't really have siblings, you know? And so like on top of all of that, you know, going to school and, you know, kind of just, I mean, the way that I like think about it now, like looking back, I was always in this position to compare Mm. because I'm trying to figure out where the heck do I fit in? Where am I? Like, who am I? You know, and my mom, like she was grieving, obviously. And now she is a full, you know, like she's the provider now. And Mm -hmm. um, like that doesn't even touch on any of the wounds or experiences like she's coming into now being thrown in this position Mm -hmm. as a divorced and now widowed immigrant mother. 
you know, single mom. Yeah. Single mom. Right. And so, but you know, like as a young kid, you don't know any of that. It's very just like, you know, what's like stuff. Like I'm not getting what I need. (laughs) And so, you know, a lot of that really just that, you know, that disconnect of like trying to make sense of the world around me based on what I knew, which we all know is not enough when you are really, really young. Right. And so, of course, I interpreted a lot of things as not what they were supposed to be. And those became my narratives. And those became the core as to what drove my behavior. And on top of that, the influence that was around me was only reaffirming those negative narratives. Right. You know, like I would look around and I'm like, okay, like how else am I different from everybody? from everybody, Mm, you know? Right. And I would go and I would be in school and I'm like, okay, you know, they, people live in like, there are people live in houses. People have two parents in their family. It seems like everybody comes home and they have siblings, Mm. you know, someone to play with or someone just to have like company. And even back then, something as small as like cable, (laughs) 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 like just having like cable TV because everybody would always talk about, you know, MTV and stuff like that. And I'm like, that sounds really cool. Like I want to watch it, but like that was considered a luxury for us, you know? Mm. And so growing up, like this whole experience of just, I really could not relate to anything. Like I was like, okay, yeah, like I had friends, but I never felt like I could connect to anyone on a full level because I felt there was always like that limitation where we could connect, but never fully connect. And so in my heart, like I've always longed to be seen in that way, to feel like I existed, you know? And like the energy within our home was, I mean, I may not have gotten the whole, you know, experience of, you know, eating Filipino food and hearing the language, you know, in my home or being like really close and tight knit to, you know, growing up with cousins and stuff like that. Like I have no experience Mm -hmm. around any of that, you know? And so that kind of brings in the energy around what I was brought up with. And it was very, like, I hate using the word toxic, (laughs) but in hindsight, it, that's really what it was. And it was no fault of anybody. That is just, that is just what it was because I'm learning that in our culture. And I feel like just immigrants in general who are trying to move to the U S and assimilate, like there is that gap of trying to find yourself and piece together your identity between two cultures. Yeah, And then, And then you add all the exposures of, you know, like things that go wrong and stuff like that. Like the energy in our house, like growing up, it really was just, there was a lot of, there was definitely like love and compassion and like good times. And so I don't ever want to dismiss that. And you guys can tell, like, this is really hard for me to talk about. Well, thank you for, um, thank you for being (laughs) thorough about it. I'm I'm like leaning in. I'm like, like I have notes here. I'm just like, oh my gosh, she's pouring her heart out right now. And so the energy, like on top of it, it's like, there was just like so much happening that it was always like, how do I say this? You know, there's, there's that shame 
that goes on just within our culture. Like, and I feel like it's like prevalent around like everybody, everybody experiences shame. And I feel like within us, it's very much like, you know, because you don't want to, it really is about what other people think, you know, which kind of like ties into a lot of other things, which I'm not like not going to get into, but that was kind of like, there was a lot of like speaking from anger Mm -hmm. or I would say like anger is more like the secondary emotion, but there was a lot of hurt, especially like when emotions really hit. Yeah. It always stemmed from an area of hurt. And so on top of all the things (laughs) that made me feel so different from everybody else, you know, I mean like that in itself, I naturally learn to think, oh my gosh, why am I so different? Mm. And not realizing that it's okay to be different. And that being different is actually something that's valuable and Mm -hmm. worthy. But I saw it as me being different was not okay. Right. And so that in itself, like really pushed me to want to be accepted, to prove I was worthy to be on the other side to be seen, you know? Mm -hmm. And so, you know, it's really interesting because I never really knew how to be like proud to be Filipino because for a long time, a lot of that created my perception around our culture because when I would go to Filipino parties, it was almost like the same kind of energy, Yeah, you know? And so because not that there's anything wrong with that, like I really, (laughs) this is why it's so hard for me to talk about because I am inwardly terrified that I can't even exist to be in this conversation, if that makes sense. Like that's how deep this has been like, within me, you know? It's not, it, to me, it sounds like you have this internal conflict right now. Like you're speaking your truth, but at the same time, you're almost minimizing it. You're almost apologizing for speaking your truth. And I can totally, I totally hear that. And I totally, I totally get that. So yeah, that was totally good. But yeah, so I know your question like a million years ago was like, how do you <laughs> identify <laughs> as a Filipino American woman? And honestly, like, I am still growing into that. You know, Mm -hmm. I am learning about that journey. I am like, I've always known that I'm Filipino, you know, Mm -hmm. and kind of like this whole thing of like, you know, I don't fit in. I'm so different from everybody, you know, like I wanted so badly to fit in that I really would just like do anything I would do. Like I had no boundary because I like, you just do what you need to do in order to fill that emptiness, you know? And so, yeah, that in itself is, that's a whole nother episode. (laughs) But I like learning to identify as Filipino American, like I am now in like the process of learning to unwire from that thinking and to rewire into, you know, just this journey of wholeness and like, who am I really? what is my real identity? Like I'm learning to be able to sit in the space where yes, I'm Filipino. And I also get to define what that looks like on me, Mm -hmm. you know, because for so long, I've always looked around to see what I'm supposed to look like, Mm. you know, Mm -hmm. which really just reaffirmed the whole, like, you know, you're different, you know, just really like I was self-oppressing myself, you know? 
Yeah. And I mean, that definitely had its fair share of like, you know, mental health issues, you know, to boot. So, (laughs) but I really feel like maybe this could help somebody who is like in that space where they aren't sure how they can identify themselves within our culture and that it has to look a certain way. And I really just hope that this can speak some light into it that you get to define what that looks like, you know, and that wasn't something I didn't have that kind of like leadership. Like Mm -hmm. that wasn't what was modeled for me, you know? Thank you so much for highlighting like the complexity of that because it seems like such a simple, straightforward question. Most people are like, you know, oh, well, my mom is from here. My dad is from here. That's why I'm Filipino. I don't know. But, you know, (laughs) you've done such a great job of not like highlighting how we've navigated that space being here in America. And for whatever reason, you know, everyone's story is different, but being removed from our or somewhat removed from our Filipino culture. And again, redefining what that looks like here in America, you know, as our parents are struggling to survive and we're sitting here like expecting them to tell us who we are and they still got to figure it out for themselves. And, you know, as adults, I think that we really lean into our, or eventually we learn to lean into our uniqueness and what makes us different. And, you know, that's something that we explore more. But as a kid, you learn how to relate to other people and, you know, other communities from how your needs are met as a child from your parents or your parental figures, whoever they are. And when those needs aren't being met or aren't being consistently met, it's like, of course, you fall into that space of when you're in adolescence of comparison because you're just Mm -hmm. trying to figure out where you fit in. And, you know, I just felt so much or I saw so much of myself in your story as you were describing it, especially in those kind of struggles that you said that you really would have done anything to just fit in. I can totally relate to that, not just in the Filipino American community, but in other communities too. Growing up, I was so confused. Like, I don't know what I am. I mean, I know what I am because I know my family and we have a strong family bond and everything. But once I'm outside in the world, I'm like, what is what does being Filipino American mean? Like, how do I fit into, you know, other spaces? How do I fit into white spaces as a half white person? How do I fit into black and brown spaces in the Bay Area, especially? And all of that is so jumbled because it's so diverse. So I just, I feel your struggle there in that kind of navigating that gray space. I appreciate you sharing your story and I think it'll resonate with a lot of people. It resonates with me because I'm the same way. It's like, I mean, you know, I, I do feel fortunate that I did have family around, although I, I often say that it was very toxic and abusive growing up, but that's a story for another time. But yeah, it just sounded like you were dealing with so much already and then you got to throw like the Filipino card on top of that. It's like, oh, and I have to like identify with this. It just seemed like, you know, your, your Filipino descent, you know, background was kind of put in the back burner because there was so many other things going on in your life that just wasn't a thing at the time, you know? And I just think it's powerful coming from you because you are a mother of three boys, you know? And uh, I mean, just a mother in general. And, and I'm just kind of curious, how does that translate to maybe, let's say, how you raise your kids or, you know, how you show up in your family? To be quite honest, I mean, that's just like who I am. It's, it's difficult. It really mm-hmm. is, you know, and becoming a mom actually helped me understand a little bit more 
about my own mom's struggles Mm -hmm. and, you know, just kind of the grief (laughs) that I gave her, you know, just with all that happening and how that was expressed in my behaviors. And I mean, I was super rebellious. I was very disrespectful, like all the things. And I can't even, oh my gosh, I think there's a reason why I have boys. Um, I don't know. (laughs) Because that I just, I don't know what I would have done. Like with having a small version of me and then going through grief and being in this new country and mm-hmm. oh my gosh like it's it's just crazy but like that in itself like my mom and I we don't have you know one of those like you know bestie type relationships I hear they're great but that's not something that we have and for a really really long time like we didn't have a very good relationship you know mm-hmm. and so when I first became a mom, of course, I was very like, you know, I'm going to do this and, you know, make sure that, you know, like my kids do this and da, 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 da. And then you have a kid and you are immediately like brought to your knees. <laughs> like, <laughs> but one of the things that I beat from that experience or just like from my own experience is that when I became a mom, One of the things that was like really important to me was being able to have open discussions with Mm -hmm. my children to create a space where they could feel like they could be open. I never had conversations growing up. My one of my sisters who actually like lived locally, she was kind of, you know, like the one to like share her experience and, you know, you know, mom's not going to talk to you about this, but I will, you know, sort of thing. And so I've got, you know, kind of like that in between, that in between conversation that my mom, I didn't have with my mom. And so I knew that that was definitely something I wanted to be able to do for my kids. And also growing up a lot of the time I heard the word no. And that was not that no is not a word that you should never use. But I think for me, it was very, it was very frustrating because the word no came without an explanation. It Mm, was just no, right? you know, and I'm, (laughs) because I said so. And I mean, (laughs) I've used, I'm going to be honest, like I've used that too with the boys sometimes where I'm just like, okay, like, it's just no. <laughs> this conversation just needs to end. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, like I'm not, I'm not perfect. Like it happens, but that was one of the things I wanted to make sure that I had or that I could create for my kids. And what I, what is really hard for me to like something that I am really healing from is that stepping into, you know, like life as a wife, as a mother, and really feeling that I you know, I'm coming from like this confident place, like this whole place of, you know, like, I'm going to make sure that I do this. I'm going to make sure I do that. And da, da, da. I realized where the limitations of my coping mechanisms were mm. because the same like behaviors that I was trying to protect myself from by being a people pleaser, becoming codependent, doing everything perfect so that you could get that recognition that really spilled over into my life now as a wife and a mother. And especially as the kids got older and, you know, they're forming their own opinions and stuff like that. Like I'm still having these conversations, but it was very, very hard for me to put my feelings aside because I was always 
triggered. Mm. I was triggered because it was out of my control. Mm. And because of the anxiety that learned to kind of like, you know, root itself because of all the things, right? Because now I'm like, oh my gosh, I don't want to like disappoint everybody. So I need to be this. It was my way of controlling like my surroundings so Mm -hmm. I could protect myself, Mm. you know? And so like now as, you know, the kids get older and they're just like, you know, doing all these things and I'm like, ah, like what? Like it's triggered. Like I am so triggered because it ramps up my anxiety because now I'm like, oh my gosh, like if they do that, here is what other people are going to think. They're going to think I'm this kind of mom. They're going to think they're these kind of kids, right? Because Mm. this whole comparison, like it's legit, Mm -hmm. you know? And so it really got to a point where I was just, I wasn't being the mom that they needed, Mm. you know? And I knew I could do better. And like, for me, I think it was the self-awareness and the humility to really say that, you know what, like, I don't have my stuff together. I am so broken, but it needs to start here if I'm going to fix this for you guys. Yeah. You know, and that's kind of like the journey that I'm on now, you know, and it's taken, it was like, that was where I operated from for such a long time, you know, and I really felt like, you know, I was doing things differently, which I was, you know, but the core of the hurt was there. Yeah. And it was so familiar that that was the only place I knew how to operate from. And every time it was, you know, like activated. Yeah. Like everything just kind of like flares up, you know, and especially, you know, becoming a wife, becoming a mom. And now everybody has certain expectations as to what that needs to look like on you. You know, like that was just like before I knew it, it was just the straw that broke the camel's back, essentially, Wow. you know, I mean, and that is exactly why, like, I'm a huge advocate for doing the internal work, because there is a reward for it. But it's freaking hard. (laughs) It is, it's tough. It's not for the week. But it's just, it's so rewarding when you can just realize that you can redesign yourself as a person and what you've been taught to think that weren't even like really true. Cause really we're just like influencing each other from areas that we are healed from. Yeah. Right. But then we also like influence others from areas we're still hurt from. Right. Yeah. Like the way that we interact and the way we express ourselves and all of that stuff. And so, I mean, that's what like all these years of analyzing behaviors in order to emotionally protect myself, that's, the blessing it's given me is this awareness of human behaviors, you know, but now using it in a way, not as protection, but in a way where I can now thrive more authentically. I want to commend you for the inner work that you're doing because it really sounds like you are just in the thick of it right now. And so I want to just appreciate you for doing that work and also for your ability. Jen told me this when she and I first met after we had our first conversation as well. But even though you may feel really like, you know, in the trenches right now doing this work, you're still able to articulate it so, so well and in a way that 
again, I can see myself and my past experience in what you're describing. And so I just want to thank you for that because I don't often feel like I can look at myself that thoroughly. So I think that that's just a really great skill that you've built, hence all the trauma that you've had to go through in order to, you know, get those skills. But at least you have them now. And again, you're committed to doing the work. And I'm positive that your family is going to reap all the benefits of that instead of, you know, passing your trauma down to them. You're going to pass all these amazing tools down that you're now documenting through like the MomCast and your new online platform and just all of these little pieces of yourself that you are leaving for them. Yeah. Yeah. Like that, that, that really means a lot. Like, and and the reason it's hard, like to even talk about it is really that, you know, obviously like, oh my gosh, what are people going to think? Right. Like that's still deeply rooted. Like for me to even like, honestly be here, launch the blog, do like to be vulnerable in such a public way. It is, terrifying (laughs) because it really summons all of those fears that like we've all believed our entire lives like I know it's not just me Mm -hmm. you know like to be able to show up and be like I don't have it together and I think that's one (laughs) of the things like I knew like just coming into like this new space like there's always some expectation that you have to know what you're doing, you know, as a professional, you know, and I'm not saying that you shouldn't know what you're doing. But it's okay to express that you're still learning. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the humility in that is so, so, so key. And it's something that even like I see like in like the church space, for example, right? Mm -hmm. Like I understand, like, I can't even imagine what it's like to be a pastor. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like that is no thanks. Like I could, I just, I could, I, oh my gosh. Like it's just, yeah, that's crazy, you know, but I also like, I just have so much admiration for what they do because they are people just like us. Yeah. You know, they are just simply called to be in a position to like create that like relationship for people, you know, but like, I honestly would love it if pastors would swear every now and then (laughs) because I feel like that would just humanize the whole experience that you are not perfect up there. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? You're just showing up, which is really what's the courageous act, right? Yeah. 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 So, I mean, that I'm sorry that could probably my favorite <laughs> my favorite pastors my favorite pastors are like I remember what is it I went to Long Beach I was visiting one of my friends there and her pastor was like a former like gang member <laughs> and he was all tatted up and he was preaching the Bible and it was like the coolest thing ever. And I think my favorite pastors are, are really the ones where like, yeah, they're like tatted up and like, you could just tell that they had a past, you know, they're yeah. Yeah. yeah, they're human. <laughs> and I think that's one thing that I struggled with growing up as a Catholic. I'm a Christian now, but growing up, it just seemed like the pastors were so kept together mm-hmm. and so like out of reach. And one thing that I have come to like, at least with Christian churches, I don't say this for all churches, cause I know that some churches can have toxic people in as well. But my own experience with Christian churches, it just felt like a lot of the pastors were just so real and down to earth and so transparent about 
like what they're currently going through, which is like not an easy thing to talk about, especially if you're in the thick of it and it's so emotional, you know? And so it's pretty cool. Like those are my kind of pastors. Like, yeah, I will go to church for that person. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, and I think like that, I love that. I love someone who is just like, who really gets it as just like a person and it's not like okay yeah I'm a pastor so I need to you know you're my audience and whatever like I really love that like no you are like you're the leader you're the one who like is connecting us to you know someone who is so strong and you know forgiving and all of that and to realize like they are just like they deserve to be as human as we are like Mm -hmm. there has to be space for that you know like they're not superhuman Exactly. I think like my favorite types of people I I generally like to follow are people who are very, yeah, are very transparent. They're, They're using their story. They're making a message out of their own mess. You know, like you feel like you can see yourself in them. When I hear from people where I just have no idea what they're going through and they're just kind of preaching at me, I'm like, I don't know. I don't want, I don't want to listen to you. Like I I mentioned this before, but I had this very self-righteous <laughs> roommate. I don't think she'll ever listen to this. And like Nani's going to laugh because I say that all the time. But I heard, um, I heard that in like one of the I heard that in like one of your episodes before. So I'm just, like, just wait until someone hits Jen up. Like, yeah. so I was listening to the show and I heard you talking shit about me. I was like, I think that's about me, right? I won't mention their name. I will keep them non-gendered. But anyway, I just remember this person and one of my other friends brought this up to me. I thought it was a, it was a good phrase. She She was saying like, like, you know, that some people talk in Christian knees, as in like, you know, you're talking in this very flowery, you know, biblical way, you're saying everything but what you're actually going through. And that was my former roommate, like, I felt like I couldn't just talk to them. Because every time I would be so transparent, it was almost as if they're preaching the Bible to me and, and, and yeah. they didn't want to share their story and their background. I mean, they sort of did, but kind of like in a pedestal kind of way, like, oh, look, yeah. how, I, look how I was saved. It's you more know, of you like, can do oh, that. I'm here to guide you rather exactly. than I'm here to teach you how to connect or give you yeah. a reason to relate. Yeah. Exactly. So it's nice to be around people that, even you know, pastors and all that like to walk with you rather than ahead of you. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. or, or tell you to just march, you know, <laughs> like, so those, yeah. that's a type of vibe I generally like. It's not for everyone, but it sounds like you yeah. have a similar like as well when it comes to your pastors yeah. and community. Oh, absolutely. I think it, well, I just think in anything in general, I mean, I know what it's, I also know what it's like to kind of like have that arrogant status or like that pride of, you know, telling other people what to do, right? I think that runs pretty well in our culture for sure. (laughs) And so (laughs) I'm not immune to that because at some point that's all I knew how to be, you know, I only knew that, oh, you're doing that. What is the reaction? The reaction is to criticize the, the, you know, reaction is to be condescending. It's to be, the you know, oh, well, this is how, you, yeah, this is how you should do it. And da, 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 da. So I don't, I don't yeah. ever want to say like, oh my gosh, like I've arrived. Yeah. Right. No, but <laughs> yeah. I always want to make sure that I am addressing those pieces myself because that is part of who I am, you know, like, yeah, totally. um, and I think also like, it's also it creates space to know that even though that exists, right, that I'm also not perfect because sometimes I do have my guard down. 
you know, and sometimes I will say something that is definitely like not life giving, you right, know, right. Absolutely. <laughs> and for a long time, like I've always seen things as like black and white because it's so very like, you know, it's either this or it's that like nothing could coexist mm -hmm. because I always felt like I wasn't doing anything right. So which kind of like impressed upon me that I was disappointing mm -hmm. others. Yeah. So now like I go out into the world and if I'm not doing something that somebody likes, I would really take that personally because of how deep that meaning was to me. Mm -hmm. And because we live in this imperfect world and there's disappointment everywhere, it really just reaffirmed like it was just oppression on top of oppression on top of oppression. Mm -hmm. I think back on like my life and... I don't know how I'm here, you know, because I think about all of that and that that could have easily turned into something that could have been very permanent, mm -hmm. you yeah. know? And so that's why I'm just such a huge advocate of the whole mental health thing. Like, I mean, I've been caught up in the stigma too. Like I didn't realize that I even had anxiety. It was so quick story on that. I, I was under a lot of stress when we had moved back to California for a little while. We actually lived in Hawaii for a few years, basically to get married and have two kids. And then we moved back to the Bay so that my husband could, you know, go to school because now, you know, we're parents. One of us has to be responsible. So <laughs> he went back to school. He went back to school to go get his degree. And so like it was just such like the most chaotic time of our lives that mm. like seriously for us to make it out of there, like still married and all of that stuff. It's like, okay, that really is like the hand of God because <laughs> that like really like that was that was a tough time. And because of all the stress that you know, like, oh my gosh, I had no idea that all of those symptoms that I was experiencing was anxiety. Mm -hmm. And I would go to the doctor because now I'm like stressed out and like, you know, st weird stuff is happening to my body. And I'm like, okay, like this isn't, you know, what is going on? And she, she had recommended me, you know, to like go get help <laughs> and to, you know, take the meds and all of that stuff. And I remember just being like, no, like this isn't like, really, you're just going to tell me I have anxiety. Yeah. You know, like I was so caught up in, because back then, like mental health then isn't what it is now. Yeah. Right. You're like, I know Even, there has to be something else wrong with yeah, me. There right. has to be something yeah, really exactly. wrong. <laughs> really wrong. Like it has, there's got to be like some terminal illness that you can't find <laughs> in my, in my body because they literally like ran all the labs. I did like all, you know, like the x-rays, MRIs. Wow. And, all. and I was so mad because every single time they would they come back, they're like, yeah. they wouldn't find anything. They're like, and I stop just, stressing. You're like, what? <laughs> yeah. it's like so the problem's in front my, of the problem's right in front of you you have anxiety oh my girl, God. you know <laughs> yeah my and my doctor she ended up like she literally like ran so many tests because oh my gosh you guys I had two kids they were like I don't know both of them were like under the age of five so I'm toting them like to the doctor's office with me like who in the right mind would do that right but that's like how much like that's how much this was bothering me and mm -hmm. at one point like I literally was like going every week <laughs> And then the doctor was like, so you need to stop coming in <laughs> because <laughs> like, <laughs> there is nothing wrong with you, you yeah. know? But like, if that was to happen today, like there would definitely be more of like an emphasis as to like, you really need to get some help, yeah. you know? But that like, she, 
it was like on a paper, but that was it. You know, then, you know, like they give you the paper and you're like, okay, so like, what am I supposed to do? Like, I don't know. Sometimes I get confused. <laughs> like, oh, I'm supposed to make my own follow-up appointment. Like I thought, that... <laughs> <laughs> I thought that's what I was paying you for. <laughs> that's so oh, funny. Anyways. I feel like, I mean, I feel like I can relate to you with your anxiety. That's how I felt when I was first diagnosed with mild depression last year. And I talked about this a lot with like Nani and on the show. And I was in denial of it. It turns out I've had it since I lost my dad at 10. I didn't come to terms with it till, I mean, even last year, it took me a couple of weeks and I started to notice the symptoms. And when I started to notice the symptoms, I was like, oh, that's what that was? That what, that's what that dark cloud was the last 20 plus years of my life? Like that yeah. was just that, that natural inkling to just like, to just feel sad. Like that was my, my default feeling like yeah, that. And you're like, like, and I can fix it? with my thoughts. <laughs> yeah. 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 And it's like, and, and I remember they gave me like antidepressant pills. I didn't pick them up. And I really just can't went on this, uh, you know, like mission to work through it, like in a natural way. And so podcasting has been part of that is just, you know, there was this book I read that I really recommend to anyone that has depression called The Upward Spiral. I have to get the name or the author. I'll probably include it in the show notes, but it gives you all the tips on how to work through like your depression. And the number one thing I had found for myself, it's not for everyone, but I have found that being in community with people combats that really well. And so I lean so heavily, you know, against, you know, or, or heavily to, you know, podcasting and staying connected with the people. Even now at the time of this recording, I started a gratitude group with Nani and, and a couple of our listeners on Instagram because I was like, I've just been feeling, I feel like I naturally wake up wanting to think about the first negative things of the day, you know, and it's like, oh, if I could just wake up and tell some people like, hey, this is yeah. what I'm grateful today, you know, grateful for. I could be proactive about that. And then there are those days where like, I forget that I have mild depression and like, I'm just kind of like, like trying to figure out everything and anything. I was like, what is it? What is it? What, what is wrong with me? What, what is it? Right. It was like, yeah. what part of my childhood <laughs> messed me up this time, <laughs> you know? And so, and so I totally hear you on that. And I mean, I definitely didn't do all the tests like you did, but I totally hear you on that. And I just, you know, want to take a minute here to applaud you for, again, showing up as you are right now, because it does sound like you're in the thick of it. And, you know, some people say like all this inner work that you're doing, there's a phrase that people often say, like when they work out, like, you know, short-term pain for long-term gain. And the way that I see mental health is it's long-term pain for long-term gain, because it's not just for you. It's a long process, but if you can work through it, and if you can be an example of working through your mental health, like that will pass down to future generations because people can inherit trauma. You know, like my dad, you know, my sister and I have been collecting stories about my dad this year and we are beginning to find that my dad suffered with depression, suffered with suicidal ideation and mm -hmm. may have actually taken his life at the very end, at the very end of it all. And Wow. You know, we still don't know the full answer of that. But the point is, is like, if I don't address the shit that I'm going through right now, excuse me, excuse my language. It's like, like oh, my family, oh, yeah. is, my family is going to inherit that. You know, my yeah. family, like my kids, it's going to get handed down. So it's like, yeah, it seems so hard to do now, but like you are doing a service, not just to yourself, but for generations to come, yes. you know? And so I just, I want to take a moment to really just like commend you and applaud you and, you know, thank you for 
just taking the time to talk about this because it's so important, especially right now, I think in the pandemic, I think right now it's so easy for people to want to isolate because first of all, we have to isolate. We're isolated to begin (laughs) with. Yeah. To begin with. And, and it just makes it so easy to tell people, oh, I'm fine. You know, and really it's like, no, I'm not, you know, I'm drinking like five cans of White Claw every night. Um, I don't do that. I don't do that every night. that's just us, Jen. (laughs) I was like, are you speaking from experience? Yes, I am. (laughs) Truth be told, but not every night. (laughs) But anyway. Every um, other night. It's all good. Yeah. yeah. Hey, you know, I like White Claw, by the way, not that they're a sponsor of our show, but it's just, I like it because it's like, I don't really wake up with a hangover. Wow. That would be amazing if White Claw could sponsor our show. I drink probably a 12 pack of White Claw every day. Can you imagine like the energy of this show? Like if you were just like, well, our sponsor today. (laughs) I feel like we have to make that a goal. And when we do get them as a sponsor, we got to bring Lynn back on so that we can have like a special little happy hour. I just want to put it out there in the universe that maybe there's like a Filipino owned like beer company or like, you know, like just wine cooler company. Yeah. So especially that. Yeah. Those are my favorite. Sparkling water. And so just, just putting out there in the universe, if you own, you know, that kind of business and you want to sponsor our show, you know, you could send a couple here. And, and, and yeah, we do video now. We do video now. So, you know, like instead of me, like holding my other sponsor as here, I'll be holding your drink. So just yes. throwing it out there in the universe. Oh my God. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to get back, get back. <laughs> I digress. Anyway. I digress <laughs> so anyway, come back in, going back. <laughs> so Lynn, so typically at this point of the conversation, we like to ask people for a snapshot of their life today and then share a life lesson. But because of this unique time in history, we want to share what life is like for you today, pandemic style. And, you know, what is kind of the number one lesson you've learned so far? And actually, you know, I feel like we've been talking about this a lot already, but I think this would be a great way for you to tie in the lesson you already wanted to share, which is how others react or treat you actually has nothing to do with you. So would you like to, and you don't have to get to that, but I'm just, I just kind of wanted to frame, you know, kind of give you some structure if you need it. But why don't you just share, you know, a snapshot of your life today? You know, we, we've definitely unpacked <laughs> from childhood to the, you know, to this point, but why don't you share like, what are you up to today? nowadays? Like, what does life look like for you? How do you stay busy? How do you stay excited? How do you stay motivated? And, you know, what's the biggest thing you feel like you've learned really in in 2020 so far? Well, 2020 hasn't been nice. (laughs) I've learned that much. And so I'm hoping, well, I know things will get better. It just, it just feels like there's so much happening on, on top of everything. But right now, everything for me on the days when I feel At the beginning, when the pandemic happened, I definitely was feeling withdrawn. Not that I'm not now, but I was definitely feeling like there was, I mean, for me and what depression looks like on me is that I like to just stay in bed Mm. or I like to just hang out on the couch. Like I have zero energy zero motivation for anything like that's what depression looks like on me physically I start to feel like stuff around like around here you know like like I'm going to cry but I don't cry and then I'll have like those like super koala moments where it's just like all of a sudden like "Mm," you know Mm -hmm. and so like pandemic style kind of like added a little bit more into that and so my husband has just he's been such a godsend being able to like you know work from home and you know like with the kids and everything 
And he is just, he's amazing because even though a lot of my, like there was just a lot of my time is spent kind of like experiencing those kind of symptoms. He, he just steps in. He doesn't say anything. He is just so gracious and generous in being able to, you know, just be part of this partnership. And so that was like the beginning of the pandemic. And now that, you know, like we have the podcast going and I'm launching the blog, that really has helped so much. And I think because it is refocusing me on something that I'm really passionate about, Mm -hmm. you know? And Mm -hmm. so like with the kids home and, you know, all of that stuff, I mean, like there's still stuff at home that needs to be done, you know? But so these days with everything going on, my faith is really important to me. That's like first and foremost, that has really been the thing that has gotten me through all of the tough spots in my life, you know? I mean, it didn't come until like later, but now like looking back, like I can see God's hand in everything. And so my faith for sure, like just making time to, you know, listen to worship music if I'm getting down, like I know mm-hmm. it's kind of like foo you know, for some people, but for me, like it just speaks life into me, you know? And what like that whole thing about the biggest thing that I've learned throughout this, like this whole thing is because I was very much triggered or I guess there was a very big stronghold of what others thought of me and their perception of me. Am I doing something wrong? Am I disappointing them? That other people's reactions was how I gauged them. Mm-hmm. That was how I gauged if I was doing something right, if I was basically seen, so to speak. And I don't even know like where I learned this, but it was somewhere. I don't know if it was like a quote or whatnot, but it had said, what is that? Other people's reactions of you has everything to do with them and not with you. Right. And so it took a while for that to really like, okay, what the heck is that? You know? And like now being able to look back and kind of like, okay, like I did these behaviors and now I'm trying to work on them to, you know, basically be a better version. And so like when I look at myself back then, like the hurt I was feeling created a lot of hurt for other people, mm-hmm. you know, and it had nothing to do with them. It had everything to do with me and the areas of my self that weren't completely whole and that were unhealed and that were like unprocessed. And so that in itself, like has been so powerful for me which is why I feel I am in a space now where I can offer grace to others because I know that when, like when somebody reacts to something that I've said, like I still feel it, you know, but I've learned to interpret it as there's something there. And I know what that feels like because I was there too. Yeah. You know? And so like that in itself has been incredibly like it's opened up so much just conversations and authenticity and connections that I have with people because it kind of like gives me the ability to meet them where they're at because I don't react to it. Right. Or at least I try not to. Like I've really, really come a long way to be mindful that like this person is like, it's the whole thing, like behind, like everybody has a struggle, you know, you just might not see it. 
And so, yeah, I think that that's like, that's definitely my life lesson. And, you know, we're all in it together, you know, crunching on together. Yeah, that reminds me a lot of two memes. And I know I'm like the loser that always quotes memes on the podcast, but two of my favorite memes. <laughs> You're are... not a loser, Nani. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, go on. I don't think I'm a loser, but. Well, I I was going to share some too, so you're not alone. Oh, perfect. Okay. (laughs) So hurt people hurt people. That's just a thing. And I think it's a really good Mm -hmm. quote, meme, whatever you want to call it. And also that the one I know that everyone has seen this pain travels through families until someone is ready to heal it or deal with it or something along that Mm -hmm. nature. And it's like, once you realize those two things, I think that at least where I'm at in my journey right now, that's been so transformative for me as well, because when people do certain things or react to you a certain way, at a certain point, instead of like being triggered or being taking it personally or being offended or wanting to, you know, react back, you reach a certain point where you're just like observing rather than reacting. And you're like, oh, we're really just all a bunch of traumatized people that are going around projecting our trauma onto other people. You know what I mean? And it's more so for me now when I'm in interactions, when I find myself in situations like that, it's more so about me looking at the other person and saying, what do you need to heal from? You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Instead of saying, oh, what did I do wrong? Or what did I do that they didn't like? It's like, what do you still need to heal from? Because that's Mm -hmm. a a projection of something that you're telling yourself in your head, not necessarily what I said or what I did. And so, yeah, yeah, I think that is like just such a key piece in anybody for anybody who feels the same like identity crisis or whatever you want to call it. I love that you, you know, just like that in itself, the awareness around being responsible, the awareness Mm -hmm. of basically like owning your shit, like what you guys were saying, right? Of just that in itself, there's so much humility in that, but there's so much healing. Yeah. To to recognize that, I mean, I don't want to get off track, but you know, like when you are like before it was, it's kind of like, you know, you want to fix other people like, oh yeah, well they're doing it wrong. That like the criticism is for real, real. you know, yeah. like, <laughs> yes. like that is just, it's dumb, you know? And okay. Yeah. Like I still, I catch myself sometimes, but I'm like, oh, wait a second. You know, like I have to like these behaviors, they run so deep. And I think that there also needs to be acknowledgement that there is no eradicating it. Right. From our self. They just get right. like retrained, but they also can surface like with the right trigger. Right. You know? That conditioning runs so deep. The, and I think the that's conditioning. Where, mm-hmm. Yeah. That's yeah. That is so real. Kind of connect as like a culture or a community realizing that this isn't just our personal experience. This is the experience of our people and mm-hmm. of our ancestors. Yeah. Even if we had little or no connection to them, we can feel them through that same struggle. Right. right. And so mm-hmm. that's where I think the whole like movement of decolonization and the popularity of that term is really coming into play because people are Absolutely. now starting to realize that like interconnectedness. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. There's one thing I wanted to add in regards to, you know, us, like how a lot hurt people hurt people and 
most of the time we're just projecting our hurts on people and people are projecting their hurts on us. And we have to learn to just observe, like you were saying, Nani. And so there was this quote that really hit me this week that I even have as a posted on my do I have it as a post-it here? Or, yeah, there it is. Okay, I <laughs> posted on my computer. So it was a meme. So I'm with you on this. Yay, I'm, I'm not on a the loser. Meme. I'm on the meme train. <laughs> it went something like, to the empath, because I consider myself an empath and a highly sensitive person. So I was like, okay, that's, they're talking to me. So it said, it said, observe, but don't absorb. Mm-hmm. And I saw that, that actually. Oh man, I've been forwarding that to like everyone. I forwarded it to my girlfriends. I was like, oh my God, like this is so me. And they're like, oh my gosh. And it's like, it's so true because, you know, I, you know, with, with my husband, for example, we had a recent situation this week where I thought he was freaking out. And I felt like I was in trouble. Like I thought that I did something. And then the funny part, he was all like, <laughs> he actually like got mad at me. He's like, he's like, this isn't about you. I was just sharing my feelings. <laughs> and I actually like appreciated him saying that because I, I realized that I've conditioned myself to kind of be his savior take on, sometimes. Yeah. You like yeah. take on that. You want to take on that responsibility for how somebody else is feeling. But yeah. it's like, even if you want to, you can't do that. Exactly. And so I'm glad that he said that to me. You know, he's like, he's like, this is not about like what you did wrong. This is about me, like just sharing how I felt. And in that moment, it made me realize like, man, I got to, I got to stop doing that. Like I got to just like observe and not absorb, you know, and not take responsibility for other people Mm -hmm. in that way. And, you know, that's a whole other conversation for another time as to why I have codependent tendencies, but we could talk all day about these things, (laughs) but you know, (laughs) until then, you know, Lynn, I, wow, I obviously, we could talk forever. And I just want to thank you again for being so thorough and candid and transparent about where you're at in life right now. And I do believe that there are going to be many people that resonate with your story. So thank you so much for, you know, being here today. And I I really want to give a shout out to Marianne again for, you know, actually bringing her, you know, like, like collaborating with you for Filipino MomCast so that, you know, I could see it as an opportunity to bring you on the show and, and, uh, (laughs) you know, talk about it for a little bit, or at least, you know, bring awareness for, you know, for people that, especially for mothers that are looking for that perspective, because Nani and I are fur parents, but we're not, we're not parents yet. We don't you know, have we don't, real babies. Yet. We don't have real babies <laughs> that came out of us yet. We just have dogs that we're obsessed about. But Lynn, if people want to, you know, connect with you, learn more about the Filipino mom cast, we didn't really d- dive deep too much into this, but if they want to learn about the bold CEO, um, how can they get a hold of you? Where can they find you online and everything? If you want to follow the podcast, it is on Instagram and Facebook at Filipino MomCast. So you can follow us there and there should be links to the podcast, which I believe is on definitely on your, you know, whatever your favorite tool for podcasting consumption is, it is on there. And then if you would like to tune into just more about, you know, how to like navigate through your identity and kind of like overcoming these lies and just like being able to be met where you're at. That's really what the Bold CEO is all about. And you can find that on social media at the Bold CEO and online at www.theboldceo.co. So. Awesome. Oh, beautiful. Wow. 
Nani, any, any closing thoughts from you? Yeah, I just want to say thank you again for being on our show and for really highlighting the complexity, like I said at the beginning, of you know navigating this space and committing, being so committed to doing this work. I feel like we're all reaping the benefits of your <laughs> of your self work right now. <laughs> uh, thank you guys. So, like seriously, this has been amazing, and I am glad that each of you have you know just found a space within yourselves to be able to you know be strong and courageous, and you know trailblaze this message so that others can be able to be empowered and do the same thing, you know, and I know that in order to do that, that takes a lot of individual work. So the praise is on you guys. Thank you for having me. Oh, fantastic. I love it. Uh, All right. Well, I don't want this to end, but all good things do have to come to an end. So with that said to our listeners, thank you all so much for listening in. And once again, remember that if you feel like this episode resonated with you, you can find all of our contact information, including Lynn's and the show notes of this episode are on our website at tifaproject.com. That's T-F-A-W project.com. With that said, thank you again for listening. And we look forward to speaking with you in the next episode. Tune in next time. See y'all next time. Bye.